today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It's uh, been a very busy three or four days, of course, doing with the Ukraine war. There's a lot of stuff going on in the battlefield that I want to discuss. And then, of course, uh, Vladimir Putin late last week, of course, uh, basically taking over uh, the occupied parts of Ukraine and saying they are now part of Russia. And uh, it, it's... The, I guess the, the, the most recent was uh, yesterday when uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky basically said, look, we we need in on NATO, and we need it now. Uh, it's in, going to be interesting to see just what kind of a reaction we get from that. Uh, on the field, uh, Ukrainian tanks are fighting Russian forces, of course, in the Donbass region and holding their own despite the Kremlin's attempts to illegally annex those territories around them. Charles de Ledesma has the latest report. A Ukrainian T-64 Soviet-made tank fires while camouflaged in trees. Units have kept up patrols in their Russian-built tanks, some of which they say are captured from a Russian unit. The city of Bakhmut lies within the Ukrainian control area in the Donetsk region, very close to the border with Luhansk, which remains entirely occupied by Moscow. An overwhelming majority of Bakhmut's civilian population have left the city that has come under regular shelling since June. Kiev's forces have made recent gains around Lyman, some 40 miles further north, on the back of a successful counter-offensive in recent weeks. I'm Charles Duladesma. Well, and we heard yesterday, of course, that uh, the Ukrainian flag is flying over Lima once again, too. So uh, it's, it's interesting to see uh, the way the Ukraine forces are moving on this. So where are we going on this? And Because there's, there's the political aspect, certainly, but the, uh, there's the, the loss of life and the desecration of, of this wonderful country uh, that's happening because it's now a war zone. Uh, to put some focus on this, we're pleased to welcome back to the program Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. Elliot, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time today. Uh, thank you. Good to be with you, Bill. Let's start with the annexation, if we could, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the other advances the Ukrainian forces are making right now. Uh, the, the annexation proclamation such that, uh, that Putin made, it was done in, in typical Putin style in a grand hall filled with uh, his supporters and uh Although it's being characterized by many people as a desperate act by a desperate man, he, he, he sees what's happening on the battlefield there. And this is, I guess, uh, to a certain extent, his way to change the channel and start talking about this element of it as opposed to what's happening on the battlefield. Uh, is, is it convincing the Russian people that they're still on the right track here? The announcement that he made that this, these will now be Russian territory forever, uh, that was part of the announcement, does two very important things. Perhaps we talked about them before. One is that it uh, justifies the nuclear doctrine of the of, of Russia. The nuclear doctrine of Russia says that uh, they will not use nuclear weapons except in the defense of uh, an existential threat to the motherland, to to the existence of the state. Now that state <laughs> includes these four regions which means you'd better not fire into them because we might consider that an existential threat. There's another, uh, and I'd like to come back perhaps to the nuclear issue, it's, it's mm -hmm, the overwhelming, uh, overarching issue. But the other one was all these new recruits that he's calling up, the conscripts, under Russian uh, law, apparently they're not permitted to be used outside the territory of Russia. <laughs> so now those are, they can now be sent to the front if they are willing to go. 
and, and so there's a buildup there because of what's happening on the battlefield. Uh, everybody has condemned this. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, President Biden, other world leaders uh, have jumped on board right now and said this is wrong. This is this is a, a, an abuse of power in situations like this. Uh, the the question obviously here, Elliot, is okay. What are you going to do about it? Yes, the EU has said we'll not recognize them. The G7 has said any state that recognizes these little artificial sham statelets will be sanctioned, uh, and so forth. The what are you going to do about it is indeed the question is if they are recognized as Russian territory by outsiders other than Ukraine, uh, it would change the battlefield. But so far, Ukraine has said we consider that Ukrainian occupied territory. And all the indications are that um, keeping in mind that the big issue all along has been right from the outset, that as President Biden repeatedly over and over again said, we do not want World War III, we do not want to go directly into confrontation with Russia, NATO will not, the U.S. will not go into direct confrontation. Now that this uh, territory has been considered to be Russian territory, what will that do on the battlefield? And so far it appears to be no change in tactics at all. The uh, Ukrainians continue to make advances not only around, uh, as you pointed out uh, in the introduction around Lehman, that is preventing, uh, let's, let's remind ourselves where we are on this battlefield. This was uh, supposed to be a phase one, one week war, take Kiev and incorporate it in Russia. That didn't work. Phase two of the war was now we'll take all of the Donbass and uh, we will make it part of, part of Russia. But no, uh, the Kharkiv uh, breakthrough, the territory they're claiming, they cannot, uh, the Russians cannot occupy all of the Donbass, apparently. In fact, they're losing territory there and in the south. Now, in, uh, the, today, we have uh, phase three, this, uh, you know, this annexation and saying you'd better not fire on us or else. So we are into that situation at the minute. And and with that in mind, uh, as you say, it hasn't initially changed the Ukraine strategy. I mean, they've, they've got their targets and they seem to be achieving those. Uh, do you do you see a resurgence of, of Russian activity here? In other words, are they are they going to be emboldened and, and try to be more aggressive now? Yes. Well, the whole idea was uh, all along to protect the Russian heartland, but Mr. Putin protect the Russian heartland from the reality of war. The losses on the battlefield were so severe that his military advisors have told him, "No, we need more. We need people. We need manpower. We need troops." So he went ahead with his mobilization, which is bringing the war home to the heartland and, as we know, uh, leading to big pushback so that uh, now people are fleeing the country. There's an estimation that more people have fled the country, <laughs> that draft age boys uh, have fled the country than were initially involved or has ever been involved by the number of troops already invading uh, Ukraine by Russia. So the, the pushback now is making this war very real. I, I am very concerned about the nuclear dimension. I'm concerned we'll run out of time if we don't talk about it. The, the um, response to the annexation by Ukraine, as I think you pointed out, was immediately within a half an hour to say, okay, we now want expedited uh, admission to NATO. This was done for Sweden and it's done for uh, Finland. We want to now expedite our membership into NATO as a response to these uh, to the annexation, because otherwise uh, we can be attacked. Uh, 
from these from these territories and nuclear weapons might be used, our only protection would be inside NATO. And now what's going to be the response? Nine states have said, uh, all the Baltic states and some others have said, we support this admission. But they didn't say expedited. Canada has said, oh, we've always said uh, since 2014, uh, it's an open door policy. The Secretary General of NATO has said this, oh, it's an open door policy. We we will not close the door. But in fact, the door has been closed. Uh, it would be a major change, a major change if NATO does admit very, very quickly Ukraine. Uh, the United States has just closed that door very gently, saying we absolutely support Ukraine on the battlefield, but we separate that. Now is not the time uh, to talk about admission to NATO. I'm simplifying and clarifying what they're saying, but that's, mm -hmm. that's the position. But there's no way uh, I, th that they can really do this, uh, uh, you know, because if they do, I mean, that puts them right in the middle of the war, doesn't it? I mean, you know, an attack on one is an attack on all, uh, and, and the attack is ongoing right now. I mean, uh, there's no way that Biden wants to get into this, no way that NATO wants to get into this. They don't want to be fighting Russian troops on the battlefield. Uh, so I, the that's... answer really here seems to be, yes, we support this uh, uh, application for Ukraine. Uh, as soon as this war is over, we'll have a serious discussion about it, but not until then. Yes, what what you're saying is exactly what uh, Mr. Putin is hearing. Mr. Putin said, okay, I'm raising the stakes. Uh, we are now going to threaten nuclear war. We are in annexing these territories, and nobody better do anything about it. And basically, in short form, the answer is no, we're not going to do anything about it. Not, there will not be a pushback um, in that regard. So that what Mr. Putin undoubtedly is hearing is in a game of chicken, he's winning that game. Until his next move. And uh, there's going to be pushback here. I mean, as you said, uh, the, the NATO forces and the Americans especially, I guess, are going to continue to supply arms to Ukraine, who seem to be doing relatively well on the battlefield. It's a limited area. I mean, people have to understand the scope of where what's happening here. Uh, it's not as if they're pushing the Russians back over the border, back into Russia. I mean, but they're, they are having some success here. Elliot, what happens when they start moving in these areas that are, quote unquote, you know, annexed? Uh, do the Russians take that as an attack on their homeland and, and respond in kind? Or is this just another element to the battle that's been going on for seven or eight months now? Well, it's been going on since 2014. The, uh, yeah, really. Will they respond in kind is the issue. If they respond in kind, that is military to military, uh, the that's been the game since 2014, and Ukraine has done very well in this. Except we ask to emphasize they have the the only boots on the ground. The only deaths are, are among Ukrainians, so that uh, we can admire the advances and the strategic moves and the pushing back around Kharkiv. They actually did put the push the Russians back across the border. The response by the West and particularly by the U.S. is we will just steadily increase the degree of lethality and the reach and the scope of the weapons we're providing 14 more HIMARS and a lot of other uh, equipment is now going in but it is still a Ukrainian war fought with Western and NATO arms against the the might of Russia the Russian the, the, the question now is as you put it is very very clear if the fight is brought to those areas and the Ukraine undoubtedly will do so and I, I think Will not, will not be told by the West, and particularly the U.S., don't go there, that battle over Donbass will continue, then what will uh, Mr. Putin do? If the battle starts to go well for him, I was, I was really struck by uh, Mikhail Khodorkovsky, uh, an oligarch that was 
the number one oligarch in, in uh, Russia. And then he fell out. He was the richest man in Russia, fell out of favor, was put in jail for 10 years. Now he's living in London. He said this, and I think it's an interesting comment. Will nuclear weapons be used? And the answer by this very informed person said, the mobilization bill is instead of using nuclear, tactical nuclear weapons. So if the battle goes well, and it will continue, those statelets will be attacked. Uh, if it goes well for the Russians, they don't have to use tactical, tactical nuclear weapons, but they might. In fact, he said, if Mr. Putin thinks he's going to lose this war, and perhaps his life as a result of it, he will use tactical nuclear weapons. And I've been saying uh, to my classes and perhaps on air, tactical nuclear weapons is an oxymoron. There's, it's either tactical or it's nuclear. Being a mm -hmm. little bit nuclear, well, you can fill in the uh, that phrase. Yeah, you know the rest different. of the metaphor, yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, you, you don't go, it, it, General Petraeus just said, well, it doesn't have to be tit for tat. If, if they use tactical nuclear weapons, we'll just take Crimea away from them and attack will destroy Russian forces on the ground. The idea that this is not an escalatory, almost an inevitable uh, escalatory uh, moment, if tactical nuclear weapons are used, I think is uh, wishful thinking. Uh, and we just should remind our listeners, by the way, General Petraeus is not calling the shots at the Pentagon these days. No. I mean, that's that's his opinion that's uh, as somebody who has, ex, you know, extensive or, uh, you know, military experience. But uh, he's not speaking on behalf of the administration or anybody else at this stage, too. But it's 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 a conundrum now for, for NATO and especially for the United States uh, to watch this happen. And, and just, you know, what do we do in situations like this? And you got to figure uh, there's some pretty intense discussions going on behind closed doors at the Pentagon about what they're supposed to do to react to this uh, because they don't want to get sucked into this thing, but it looks like Putin's trying to get them to do that. Yes, in fact, that was a question that was raised. Do you think Mr. Putin is trying to entice NATO? Uh, and I, I, don't, I think the answer to that is no. Uh, the last thing Mr. Putin wants is a direct confrontation with NATO, uh, and he's been trying to avoid that until now. So the... Um, the war that's going on right now is, is, is a real war, and I think everything President Zelensky says is true, that uh, if this is won by Russia, they will not stop at Ukraine. Uh, the whole idea that Ukraine is not a state and that you can change borders by an invasion and an occupation uh, is back on the agenda, and all the states around the world and members of the UN, even those states that uh, are saying, hey, look, this is really a European war, we're not... We're not concerned. Us in the third world, we, we're, we're used to this, the imperialist powers, etc. If this is legitimized once again, you move across borders because you want to occupy and eliminate a neighboring state, then we are back to a, a world we thought was now behind us and that the United Nations was put in place uh, to prevent forever. But it, we are in a moment that is at least the most serious nuclear threat since the Cuban Missile Crisis, which we got out of by a mixture of good diplomacy, a wake-up call to both parties, Russia and the U.S., and a lot of good luck. But uh, luck is not a strategy, as the Secretary General of the United Nations has just said. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a very eventful week. We'll see how this rolls out in the next little while. Elliot, thank you, as always, for this. Really appreciate your time today. Oh, You're very welcome, Bill.
You take care. Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at uh, Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.